0: Philemon is a super short letter written by the Apostle Paul, but it packs a big punch. As we're confronted with the reality that the love of Christ should be something that owns the lives of God's children, compelling us to love God and love people. In fact, the gospel without love is not the gospel. This is Philemon, and we are Mercy Village Church. You can learn more at www.mercyvillage.church. I don't want this question to sound patronizing. It's legit. I'm driving somewhere with it where is a sailor okay like a sailor at in his in their boat like a sailor in their boat where are they most free when a sailor is sailing their boat where are they most free on land in the water in like super shallow water or the right Definitely. I told you it sounded patronizing, right? You're like almost ashamed to answer it because it's like super obvious. It's supposed to be super obvious. What I'm driving at and, and what we'll see in the, the book of Philemon is that God has a different definition of freedom than what culture normally does. Whereas culture would say freedom is to be able to do whatever you want Whenever you want to. Right? At least that's what the signs would say that people carry around. That actually is kind of a dumb idea. It doesn't, life doesn't really work that way. There are constraints that are placed on all of us. The Bible talks about one. I'll just get all my cards out on the table right off the bat. Second Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. It says this, for the love of Christ, controls us, right? Like that word control doesn't sound like freedom, but so what the Bible says, for the love of, of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one, Jesus, has died for all. Therefore, all have died, and he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Again, that doesn't sound like freedom according to maybe what the culture would say, but to live for him who for their sake died and was raised. Philemon, this short letter, which we're only going to spend two weeks in, Philemon pushes in on this idea that we can define freedom on our own terms as being able to do whatever we want whenever we want to, which brings us back to the sailboat analogy. I didn't come up with that sailboat analogy. Uh, I don't even know if Tim Keller did, but he was the one I read say it. He says about, obviously, the sailboat, it has to be in the right depth of water. They have to trim their sails in a certain way, right? Like, they have to constrain themselves to certain restrictions to actually be free. He says this, in the same way human beings thrive in certain environments and break down in others. It's obvious. Unless you honor the givens and limits of your physical nature, you will never know the freedom of health. Some of you are more focused on health than others. Um, I'm the others. Most of you are the some of yous. (laughs) We're working on it. I can testify to the fact that if you don't honor the givens and the limits of your physical nature, you will never know the freedom of health. You You see that distinction there? Unless you honor the givens and limits of human relationships, you will never know the freedom of love and social peace. This is true, what he's about to say. It's dramatic, but it's true. If you actually lived any way you wanted, never aligning your choices with these physical and social realities, you would die quickly and die alone. Right? If I ate whatever I wanted to, trust me, I would not probably be living I would not be among the living right now. And if I acted however I wanted to, my family would no longer be with me. I would be alone. I mean, I just would be alone. It's true. You are then not free to do whatever you choose. That is an impossible idea, not the way freedom actually works. You get the best freedoms only if you are willing to submit your choices to various realities. Here's the key words. If you honor your own design. Freedom is found in knowing who you are and who you're supposed to be and going all in on that idea. That's freedom. And according to God's definition of freedom, you're made to do that in two places. One we just saw in 2 Corinthians, you're to do that in relationship with God through Jesus. But also in relationships with others. John Donne in uh, 1624 said, no man is an island. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind. He's getting at this idea that none of us float through this life by ourselves. A band you've never heard of called New River Coal. They lasted about eight months. I had some friends in the band. They said it like this. No man is an island entire to himself but a piece of the continent. That was John Donne's quote. Or so John Donne wrote, and I do not dispute. And then they said it the way Appalachians can understand. We can't get nowhere alone, right? We are made, designed for a relationship with God, a loving relationship with God, and a loving relationship with others. And true freedom, as your soul was meant to experience it, as your heart is meant to experience it, is found in that place. And Philemon is all over that. Well, Paul is all over that in his letter to Philemon. God's understanding of freedom is crucial to this short letter, 25 verses long. We're only here two weeks. If I could sum it up in just a few sentences, I would say this. This is my summary of Philemon. The love of Christ should be something that owns the lives of God's children. It should own us. We should be owned, compelled by, led by the love of God. And that love compels us in turn to love God and love people. The gospel without love is not the gospel. That's what Philemon will be summed up as. Next week, Paul's going to make a really powerful request of Philemon. We'll see that. This week, he starts out with some greetings and some pleasantries, some blessings. This week, we see the love of Jesus changes people. Simple. The love of Jesus changes people. Father, what we know not, please teach us. What we are not, please make us. And what we have not, please give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The backstory is a little bit of the backstory. We'll get more of the backstory next week. A little bit of the backstory we kind of can pick up in verses 1 through 3. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. These are the authors of the passage of this letter. Really, based on the style of the letter and the, knowing what Paul's writings look like and uh, his verbiage and his way of writing, it's, it's Paul that pens this letter. He, he's saying Timothy's there with him because he's, as we'll see next week, about to make a very big ask of Philemon. He wants to know, hey, Timothy's sitting here too, saying amen to everything I write as I write it, Timothy's here with me on this. So Paul, you know, was uh, on the road to Damascus to kill Christians, and God knocked him off his horse and saved him. This is the Apostle Paul who writes so many of the letters in the New Testament, uh, so many books in the New Testament saved by saved by God. Uh, he was against God, saved by God, His grace. Timothy is a mentor of his who is going to become very influential in the church, outrageously influential in the church. They, they're a lot more well-known. They're the ones who write it, but here's who it's to. It's to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker. Now, Philemon you might not be as familiar with. A little bit of his story, and again, this, a lot of this is, is just kind of trying to tie church history in with what we can read From the word of God, he was likely in Ephesus. Uh, Paul spent three years in Ephesus. Likely one of the converts in Ephesus there was Philemon. Colossae, you'll see here in just a, a second, or here it is. Okay, so, so Ephesus, I mean, this is such a very exact map, isn't it? I mean, like, what is that? Like two inches from Ephesus to Colossae? Whatever. But Colossae is a little more inland, and Ephesus would have been a port city. So, Uh, what eventually happens is Philemon goes from Colossae and him and another guy who we'll meet in the book of Philippians, plant a church there in Colossae. He's likely saved in Ephesus through the ministry of Paul, goes to Colossae, plants a church there. That's the short version of his story. Now we're five to seven years after his conversion. We don't know when he made the move. We don't know how young or old this church is, but it's not any older than five to seven years. Uh, Probably a little bit younger because uh, he was in Ephesus for a period of time, learning from Paul, most likely, before he made the move. So it's a young church. It's actually meeting, we'll see here in just a second, in Philemon's house. Now here's what you're just going to have to let uh, sit for a second because we're going to talk about it next week. There's another person in this story named Onesimus. Again, you're not going to meet him till next week. And there'll be dragons here because Onesimus was a slave to Philemon. Okay, we're going to get into that next week. We're going to talk about what that means, what that looks like, how how the Bible represents that, you know, like all of that, you know, that falls under that term. But what has happened is Philemon has left. He's stolen, most likely stolen something from Philemon. Philemon, Onesimus has left, and Onesimus has likely stolen something from Philemon and fled to Rome, where he's met Paul. And not only has he met Paul, but he's met Jesus. He's been saved. So the rest of this book, after today, deals with the reconciliation of that relationship. We'll get back to that again next week. There's other recipients for the letter. Verse 2, And Aphia... Our sister, this is likely Philemon's wife, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. I love that. That's a cool title. Probably a son. Imagine being the young man who got to read that. Our fellow soldier. That probably felt good. Um, And the church in your house. Now that doesn't sound so bad this week because all the verses are nice and good, and they make Philemon look awesome. But the rest of the verses, as you'll see, call Philemon to something really hard. So when Paul says you're going to have to read it with your wife and your son. It's kind of like, okay, that makes sense. Those are my people and the entire church. Paul's laying the groundwork for accountability within the community of Christ. Again, we'll get back to that next week. He finishes with a blessing, this kind of welcome portion. He finishes with a blessing. He says, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ gospel-saturated blessing, and that is the backstory. Now he dives in, and there is one simple point that is going to happen in verses 4 through 7. The power of love. You're going to see Paul paint a picture of how the power of love, Christ's love, has changed Philemon's life, and he's going to paint that picture before next week we look at how he's going to call him to have that love further change his life. He starts by pointing to all the evidences of grace in Philemon's life, saying, here's the power of love, Christ's love at work in your life. And and from that, we see how the power of Christ works in our life as well, the power of Christ's love at work in us. Verse 4, I call the source of love's power. He says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. He's about to really talk up Philemon going to point out all these things about him that, that are transformative, that have transformed in his life, these great things about him. he says, "I don't want you to forget who is responsible for this change. It's not you, Philemon. you haven't pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps and made yourself someone. I thank God for what's happening. That's incredibly important. Philippians 2:13 is a, a favorite verse of mine. We'll be in Philippians. This fall as well. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That verse, if you notice, is saying your desires to do what's right and your abilities to do what's right. That's the work of God in you. Right. For you to want to do the right thing and for you to be able to do the right thing, God has to do. So that's how he starts with Philemon. He says, I thank God for this. It's his work. I think the only thing more obvious than, than the fact that it has to be God at work within us is the fact that we need reminded of that all the time because we forget. It can go two ways, by the way, right? There's two, and I'm, I'm oversimplifying, there's two types of personalities, generally speaking. There's those of us who take credit for all the, uh, what's another word for crappy? That's I just got to say it, all the crappy things that happen in life, right? Like, there's those of us who just, we're the reason that everything's broken. We're the reason that everything stinks. We're the reason that everything's in a pile. And then there's those who are on the opposite end, right? And I'm being, I'm I'm oversimplifying, but who take the credit for the good things that are happening. I built this. I'm the one who did this work. I'm the one who who put this together. I, I guess I would ask myself, I have this week, and I would ask you, how are we doing when it comes to honoring with gratitude the work of God in us. Some of us are so hung up on what's wrong with us and the mistakes we've made that we fail to see or acknowledge what God is doing in us. And some of us are so hung up on how cool we are that we neglect to honor and thank God for the work that He's done in us. But either way, we're neglecting gratitude, thankfulness for the source of any good work within you. Give credit where credit is due. Paul does. We must as well. That's humility. That's where it begins. It's God at work in us. So that's the source of love's power. Five through seven are the results of love's power. Philemon's life has been changed. First, the love of Christ can change your reputation. Not reputation as a As a cultural commodity, by the way. As a social media has, for all of its good, it it, it has, I think personally, I sound like an old man, it has infinitely more bad. It has trained us, right? It's in the, it's, it's just in the air we breathe that now status, um, influence, reputation are these cultural commodities that we buy with, carefully crafted Instagram feeds and, and Facebook posts about all our finest moments. And, and then we'll, if we're not careful, we we'll begin to present ourselves in every situation we find ourselves in. Everything's a presentation. We're trying to get those reputation points. That's not what he's talking about here. This isn't that sort of reputation change. In fact, it might cost you a piece of what culture calls Reputation, It might. Philemon has a new reputation, but it's a true transformation inside of him that brings glory to God. We see it in verse five. He, he says, I thank God for you. Verse five, because I hear of your love. That's his reputation. I hear of your love. When people talk about Philemon, they say, man, he's so sweet, nice, loving beautiful. And of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus Christ got sold out to following Jesus. And for all the saints, you love them, too. And you're walking with them, too. That's his reputation. Philemon's new reputation. I don't know what it was before Jesus, but his new reputation is someone who walks in love and faith. That's who he is now. He's somebody who the decisions that he makes, the the with his money, with his time, with his energy, the way that he leads when he has opportunities to lead the way that he follows when he's underneath authority, the way that he interacts with his neighbors, the way that he interacts with people at the church, it all just kind of builds up into this reputation. Man, that guy loves people and that guy loves Jesus and he is committed to following Jesus to the end. That's his reputation. and That's beautiful. Captured by love. Walking by faith. It's really that simple. Not easy. You didn't hear me say easy. But it really is that simple. It's what we're called to be as people. Love God. Love people. Love God. Love people. We don't need to overcomplicate it. Now, there's specific ways in your life where that's going to be easy because you're gifted in a certain way and and god's put you in a position where you can just love god and love people with with ease in these certain situations and then there'll be other situations in your life that's a little more difficult to love god and, and love people god's growing us and we're not gonna be perfect at it he's transforming us we're gonna fail we're gonna mess up but that's who we're supposed to be so that like philemon people look at us and say hey they love god and they love people it's so obvious That they do. And they're going to follow Jesus to the end. Is your reputation different because of Jesus? Is my reputation different because of Jesus? The results of love's power. One of them is that it it can change your reputation. The other is it can can open eyes to see. The love of Christ can open eyes to see. Verse 6. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. So he wants knowledge of what's going on. Like, I want you to see something, Philemon. I want you to see all the good things that God is doing, all the good work that he is doing. I want your eyes to be open to that. But what will open his eyes? The sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge. Okay. Those of you who grew up maybe evangelical, like extreme evangelical, sharing your faith is like another term for evangelism. Okay? You gotta share your faith. That's not a bad term for that. That is, that is a, what you're doing. When you tell someone about Jesus, you're sharing your faith. But that's not what he means here. A better translation uh, would be this. I pray that the partnership that springs from your faith may effectively lead you Philemon to recognize all the good things at work in us, leading us into the Messiah. So what he says, that word partnership is a Greek word, and I don't know Greek. I don't. I read this in a commentary and in a dictionary that you can get too. I'm I'm not some special person. The word is koinonia, and it's a word for togetherness. It's a word for fellowship. It's a word for community. What Paul is saying to Philemon is, I pray that the partnership we have, Paul, Timothy, Philemon, his wife, his kid, the church there, I pray that that partnership as we share faith together, right? Like that's what we share. What we share with one another is faith. We don't all like the same foods. We don't all vote for the exact same people. We don't all like uh, to watch the same things on TV. We don't all like to do the same things with our spare time. But we share faith in Jesus. That is what we share. And that shared faith in Jesus is is leading us into community partnership with other people who believe in Jesus. And so this... Cyclical thing is happening. What springs from faith is a desire to be in community with other believers. And when you're in community with other believers, true, healthy community, with people who remind you of the truth about Jesus and remind you of the gospel, you have more faith, which makes you want to go further into community, which makes you go further into faith, which makes you go further into community, which reminds us we need to repair the ceiling up here. That's terrible. I won't point to it again. (laughs) Now it's in my head. Fine. That's the idea. Faith leads to to godly community. Godly community leads us further into faith. That's one way you know if you're in good godly community. Does it stir? Not all the time. It's not going to be perfect. But are there moments where it's stirring you to love Jesus more, right? Again, that's not the only community you're going to be in. We live in a world, a fallen world. But are you setting aside time in your life to be with other believers, other people who love Jesus, so that your faith can be strengthened together? That's what he's praying for, because in that place, eyes are opened to see the beauty of Jesus. And Paul is banking on the, this brotherhood, this sisterhood, this koinonia next week. You'll see he's banking that this relationship he has with Philemon is, is, is strong because of Jesus. Last thing, and this one's my favorite, the love of Christ can bring refreshment. It can bring refreshment. He says, for I have derived, he's still speaking to Philemon, For I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. So you want to make what makes me the happiest when I think of you, Philemon, is I think about all the saints in Colossae. As they come through your home, as they see you out at the market, their hearts are always refreshed from your presence with them. You maybe know people like that. That when you're with them, I've got a friend named Raf. He, he says those relationships, those interactions, he calls them a cup of cold water for the soul. There's certain people maybe that when you're with them, maybe not every time, again, we're imperfect people, but consistently you see them bringing refreshment into your life. Like a cup of cold water for the soul. Philemon was that type of person. Is that your default? Do, you, do people feel refreshed? when they're with you? Or do they feel inferior to you? Or do they feel maybe scared to talk to you? Or scared to approach you? Or or they feel lesser because, right? Like, I'm only speaking because I tend to have people, I make people feel that way sometimes. Only the ones super close to me, though, really. Those are the only people I really hurt. <laughs> Weird how that works, isn't it? RC Sproul, one of the greatest communicators of all time. I, I went back and found this. That's him as a young man. He's passed on since this. But this little story, you probably can't read it. I had to walk all the way over here to read it. RC Sproul was arguably the most effective communicator of the last century. If you're familiar with his ministry, you know how effective he was as a as a communicator. I, I would put that in the in the camp of of uh, Christianity, I mean, there's been a lot of other effective communicators, but I've always been struck by the question he'd ask his wife, Vesta, after each lecture or sermon. Instead of wondering, how did I do? He'd ask, was I kind? I think for us to be people who bring refreshment to others, we have to stop worrying about winning We have to stop worrying about being right all the time. We have to stop worrying about getting our way, pushing our agenda, and start asking the question, am I kind? Was I kind? Again, that's not about not delivering hard truths to people, but are you kind in the way you do it? We've got some Philemons in this church. Like What happens sometimes with a sermon like this, and it should happen, I think it should be like this holy dissatisfaction. Like We hear this stuff, and there should be a part of us that says, I need more grace from God to grow in these areas. That should be happening right now in this room. It's happened for me this week. We should be challenged. I need to grow. I need to change. But let me affirm you as well, because that should be another thing that happens when you read this. You should also be able to look at your life and say, I see that Jesus is working in me too. He's doing things inside of me. Speaking of reputation, I look around this room as I prepared this sermon, I saw face after face after face of people who I know I have a front row seat to your growth are growing more and more into a reputation of people who following Jesus and loving people is becoming the most important thing in your life. Love God, love people. That's the reputation of many of you in this room, and it makes my heart happy eyes being opened to see through the fellowship of believers. There are people who are sitting in this room who when they walked through the front door, and this isn't everybody's story. There's other people who didn't feel this way. So don't, right? Like the work isn't done. Like we still need to grow in this area, but there are people who would testify that they walked into this door and maybe it's just the right day. They came in on the right day and koinonia, fellowship, Friendliness, togetherness, just smacked them right in the face. And they felt safe. And they felt seen and they felt loved. Okay? And they're here today knowing more about who Jesus is and following more closely with Jesus because they saw that. That's beautiful. That's an, ex- that's an encouragement and an exhortation. Let's be more like that. Let's be more like that. And refreshment. And be really real with you guys. Some of my very deepest wounds come from within the church. I've been in church since I came out of the womb, basically. And at every stop along the way, I've been wounded. Many of my wounds, not all of them, many of my wounds come from within the church. But hear me today. And I thought about this hard. I didn't want to say it just to be dramatic. I wanted to mean it. All. Every single one of my deepest moments of refreshment are touched by the people of God. It might not only be the people of God involved in those moments of refreshment, but as I look around the table or I look around the room in those moments of deep deepest refreshment in my life, the people of God are there every time. It might not be everybody's story, but that's my story. I say that to say this. This journey that we call Mercy Village Church to get where we are right now has been one of the most refreshing seasons of my life. Absolutely, without question. My heart has been refreshed through you. You, 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 you. Thank you for letting me be your pastor. Thank you. In particular to those who know me the best. We have all sorts of reasons to walk away. Thank you for letting me be your pastor. My soul is full. Through you guys, thank you. That's all the verses for today. (laughs) That's the introduction to the letter. That's the power of love. Can change our reputation. Can change uh, our eyes, can be open to see things that we haven't seen before. The love of Christ can bring refreshment to people. Next week, we're going to see that play out in a way that's a little bit difficult. But we'll watch, we'll do that together as people of God. But remember this for today, we've seen the source of love's power and the results of of love's power. And so we must respond. So two actions. The first is now three weeks in a row, and I'm unashamed of it. I'm going to do it again next week. You already know the application for next week. It'll be the last week I do it for a while. Four weeks in a row, the number one application, front out of the gate, is going to be go home this week, every day, pray, thy kingdom come. Just pray it. I dare you. Every day, Pray. With your hands open and your heart open to God, thy kingdom come. Jesus is the source of love. Jesus is the source of the power of love. And so it has to be his kingdom, not yours. So thy kingdom come. Pray that this week. And then number two, might we be living proof of the results of love's power? Two things I pray, sometimes through tears, for the Bokel household for our family, for the people individually in our home. The first is that we would be light post for those who are lost and far from God. That our home, that us as individuals, we'd be light post for those who are lost and far from God. That like Philemon, the way we do life would give us a reputation that God is worthy of our lives that people would look at us and say they love God and they love people and it's beautiful and I want some of that and they'll come to know Jesus because our lives have been these shining light posts of the goodness of God in the places we live, work, and play. Number two, and this is where I think of Philemon the most, that our homes would be outposts for the family of God. Light posts for those who are lost and far from God, outposts for those who are the family of God, that like Philemon, our homes, us as individuals, we would be safe harbors of refreshment for our brothers and sisters in Christ, that that would be our reputation. Places of comfort for the frightened, rest for the weary, stirring for the apathetic, renewed faith for the doubting, love-filled truth for the wayward and healing for the broken, that that would be found in our presence as people, that that would be found within the doors of our homes, that the people of God would run towards you, would run towards me in times of difficulty. Safe harbors of refreshment. Here's my prayer. Might one day a handful of saints say of you, say of me, say of your home, say of your family, I have derived much joy and comfort from, put your name there. There'd be a handful of saints that would say, I have derived much joy and comfort from the Bokel family because the hearts of God's people have been refreshed through them. Might that be said of us. The love of Jesus changes people. We'd be counted among those. If you're not a Christian, you can get in on the love of God today. And that's how we close. I can't close without compelling you to trust the finished work of Jesus on the cross. We'll come full circle to the band Nobody Knows. Same song that Nobody Knows. I said this Hey, what are you looking for? Call yourself a seeker. What have you found? Right? Like, what's that other one? You're looking for love in all the wrong places? Isn't that the story of our lives? Have you found anything yet? If you're here today, you're not a Christian. Man, and this is my compelling charge to you. Don't look around no more. Jesus is the answer to the void. Most famous verse in the world, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Greater love has no man than this, but to lay down his life for his friends. You want to know love to the full? Trust Jesus today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. That's the promise of scripture. It can be your promise today. If you have any questions about what it means to become a Christian, please talk to me. I'd love to have that conversation with you. Father, thank you so much that your love changes us. It changes how we live. It changes how we think. It changes how we how we interact with other people. Might we, this week, be thy kingdom come people, truly. Do that work in our hearts. Might we just be a little bit more of that than we were at the start. I, I still need more of that. All of us still need more of that. Even if we we are at times in our lives saying, thy kingdom come. Might we say it more and more and more frequently with our lives, where we work and live and play and just do all of our lives with that idea, thy kingdom come. And in that might people see us as places of refreshment. They can come and be refreshed in the love of God. Let me do this with Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to this feed wherever you listen to podcasts. We exist to experience and embody redemption and renewal in Christ alone. And we'd love for you to experience what God is doing as Jesus builds Mercy Village Church. Connect with us online at www.mercyvillage.church.